Good yontav, everybody. Today, Bezat Hashem, we'll be learning Daf Lamed in Maseches Nadarim. And so we'll start three lines up from the bottom of Chavtesamed Beis. And we start, a, we have a conversation. We start with a conversation. Now, remember, we had a machlokas between Ula and Barpada, right? The question was, what does it mean, Einahim Pidyon, that when you designate something, right, uh, via a nether, that the pidyon does not come off, or according to Barpada, what is the question where the pidyon doesn't come off? Barpada, remember, says that you cannot be poda something, you can't redeem something, right, until the end of your statement. In other words, you made a statement that this is going to be hekdesh until a certain time, right? What that certain time was, we discussed yesterday, but just for the sake of clarity, um, and brevity. You made a, you made something hectish until a certain time. You say, once that certain time hits, it will no longer be hectish. So, when you made that, uh, declaration, there was a machlokas Ula and Barpada. Ula said that it's going to be hectish until that certain time and then it's going to fall off on its own. Barpada says it's going to be hectish until a certain time and then, and only then, can you redeem it? Now, the Chiddush really, Ula, I think, would also agree with this. According to Barpada and according to Ula, that, that was the first, right, Mefarish on Chavchesa uh, on top. The, both of them would agree that if you try to prematurely be, redeem it, be Poda it, it will not work, which is to say, until that time, that either it'll fall off on its own according to Ula, or you'll be poda it if according to Barpada, you cannot be poda it, right? You can't redeem it. It's hectic until then. And as the language of Barpada is, Padan Chosros Vekochos. Try to redeem it. Maybe it'll be redeemed for a second, but it'll jump right back into the hectic right away. So that's the discussion, this very element of that uh, moment before you can be, before the Kedusha comes off. That's the time period that became a topic of discussion in the base Medrash amongst two rabbis, as follows. Yosef Rabbi of Avin, Rabbi Yitzchak, Rabbi, that's Rabbi Avin, Rabbi Yitzchak, the son of Rabbi, Kabei the Rabbi Yirmiya. They were sitting in front of Rabbi Yirmiya, and interestingly enough, become a them Rabbi Yirmiya. Dafyomi coincidence, right? Rabbi Yirmiya was dozing off. Okay, he is kind of... Uh, Right, it was kind of looked like he was sleeping. So Rabbi Yitzchak sat there and they said, This concept that Barpada said, where he says that the Kedusha keeps jumping back on, right? Regarding that, You know, the fact that Barpada holds that the Kedusha will jump back on should be instructive with respect to a different question that Rabbi Hoshia had in a different context. What was that context? As follows. The question of Hoshia was, as the Gemara continues to say, on top of Lamed Amad Aleph, Hanosin Shte Prutos Leisha Ve'amar La Ba'achasid Kachi Le'ayom Ba'achasid Kachi Le'achasher Gashech Okay, so you could be Megarish a woman with a pruta, right? Uh, excuse me, Mekadesh a woman with a pruta, right? Veshavar uh, pruta. In order to be Mekadesh a woman, right? Iheisha Nikneis, we haven't learned Kiddushin yet, but we've already seen this concept, right? You You designate her as your lawfully wedded wife, and in so doing, you have to have a Kenyan, a, a, a sort of a Kenyan. Well, it could be Kesef Shtari Kedushin, but the Kesef has to be Shavar Pruta, right? It has to have a certain amount of value, 
if you're Mikdash Bekesef, which is what we do, and, you know, hence the ring, okay. So you're Mikdash the Isha, right? However, you're some sort of weirdo, and you decide you want to marry her twice. You know, when a woman, uh, you, you're allowed to. So I guess you love her so much, you want to marry her twice. And so you tell her, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have two rings, so to speak. And with the first one, I want the first one to be for our first wedding. That's going to count for the wedding, let's say now. And then I'm going to divorce you at some point. And then I want the second ring to count for when I makadish you the second time. Okay. So take these two rings. And with these two rings, or these two coins, as it were, you can be married to me today. And the second one... Keep it and you'll be married. You'll use that to be married to me after I divorce you. You'll be married to me the second time. Now, Ravoshia was wondering, would that second ring work? In other words, can you do that? Can you set something in motion where the Kiddushin jumps back on? Even after the Kiddushin is stopped. Well, does that sound a little bit like this? So that's what... They thought, right? That's what Rabbi Avin or Yitzchak Rebbe thought could be instructive from our interpretation of our, Barpada's interpretation of our Mishnah. Because after all, in our, in our Mishnah, Barpada explains, right, that you're Mikadesh something, you're, you designate something, consecrate it, as it were, and then you try to be, you, you're Poda it, and then you, so you break the Kedusha, so to speak, but the Kedusha jumps right back on. So maybe the same could be done with a woman. Right, you break the kiddushin with a divorce, and then the kiddushin can jump right back on. Okay, so that should should so We know that according to, so so Rosha didn't know whether it would work, but according to Barpada, who understands that the kiddushin can jump back on automatically. In other words, you don't have to do a second action for the Kedusha to jump back on, right? You're Podet, and the Kedusha jumps back on. Like, 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 a, right, like a spring. It springs right back into place. So if that's the case, that should be true for a Kedusha of a woman also. And Ravoshia's uh, question is thus resolved, right? He had a question whether the Kedusha would jump back on on its own. Well, it seems like Kedusha can jump back on its own. We've already had yesterday, right, the analogy between Kedusha of Anisha and the kedusha of a consecrated object. There are some uh, differences, but in this case, perhaps they're similar. So, Zemirmiya, who heretofore had been dozing off, woke up and said, "No." Really, guys, are you going to compare a person who's who's being mikdash or being poda? Right, trees and a talus and a fire to the person who's Mikadish and Megarish and Isha. After all, that when you redeem right certain things, they become right and they become Kodesh again. And Padam ain't But if other if other people would redeem the trees or the talus. And they don't become Kaddish again. So, for example, so what, what is that? Like this. An interesting idea. Uh, you, have to be, you have to be very, very learned 
to to understand this this lambdas. And the lambdas is as follows. Let uh, follow me here, Andrew. If I'm the one that's poted the tree, and then I'm sorry, I'm the one that's makadish the tree. Let's say right, and then I'm the one that does the pidyon on the tree. So the the kedusha will jump right back on the tree. Why? Because under my jurisdiction, still, right? It's still under my jurisdiction. In other words, the same person that redeemed it is the person that, right, was Mekaddish it. So if the person that was Mekaddish it was redeemed it, so whatever his das was, right, when he was Mekaddish it, could still, that, that stance could still uh, be in effect when he redeems it. Because, like, you, re- you redeemed it, but if you're the same one that was Mekaddish it, so it's going to go back to whatever your initial position was. But let's say somebody else, let's say you, Andrew, came and, was, and we were the one that redeemed it. So now it's no longer in my jurisdiction. How does my das, right, have any impact? You've redeemed it for you. You didn't redeem it for me, right? That was you who did it. So once you redeem it for you, it's in your jurisdiction. I can't control it anymore, okay? And therefore, that's what Rabbi Yochanan explained, that if somebody else redeems it, uh, they're not in my control anymore. So says Rabbi Yirmiya, Be'isha kif da'uha acherem damya. Yeah. So when you talk about a woman, what happens with a woman is once you're megarish her, she's what? She's uh, now, she's exactly, she's super available. She's single and she's ready to mingle. She is now, right, mutter la'olam. And therefore she's no longer in your ishus at all. You know, this dude, in the beginning, he's so controlling, Andrew, that he thinks that even after he divorces her, he owns her. That's not how it works, man. It's not, it, you cannot say that. And therefore, it, it would be, even though it's not true that somebody else redeemed her, per se, it is true that she's no longer in the person who divorced her's jurisdiction at all. And therefore, it is as if somebody else had redeemed her, in the sense that it's not in the initial jurisdiction of the individual. And therefore, that's a closer analogy. Okay, well, once you have that closer analogy, so now Ravoshia still has this question. This question is not really resolved from our case. Right, because in our case, the same person who was Mikhailish to the tree or the talus was the one that did the pidyon, and therefore it stands to reason that he that the kedusha would jump back on. But in the case of the woman, it would not. It's not the same because it's not no longer under the jurisdiction of the original husband. So that is Rebiria, and in fact, uh, it, it's also been stated in Manarmi. We have a uh, confirmation of this quote that, in other words, Rebiria quoted Rebiochanan. We have confirmation of that. From a different source, it Nami, Amaravami, Amaravabi, Amarabi, rather. Uh, again, Amarabi, Ami, Amarabi, Yochanan, Lo Shanu Elishapadon, who? Right? This idea, right, in the name of Yochanan, that if somebody else, if Andrew was the one that was part of something that was Makadish, it would no longer, the Kedusha would not jump back on in that scenario, as we discussed. This is, I have to be reminded, you know, we always learning Le'il and Nishmas, or Chaim Zev Malinowitz. Uh, Zatzal. Uh, <clears throat> one of the reasons that inspired me to learn the daf, Le'ilu Nishmaso, was because he was very encouraging. I used to give uh, daf Yomi Chazarashir. So instead of doing it every day, because I, I, I always loved learning daf, but the Yomi was always the issue. But I knew that during the week I would have time to learn the daf. Just it was not, uh, consistency was going to be an issue. So I gave a Chazara on the week's worth of daf once a week. That, that was the way I did it. And it was just, you know, 
I don't know. I don't want to say highlights, but you know, like the main points, just a review. Okay, and he very much encouraged me to do it. And I tried to schedule at a time because he lived in Yerushalayim, but he used to come into Ramah Bechem all the time. I tried to schedule a time where he couldn't come. First of all, because I didn't want to burden him. And secondly, because he's the chief editor of the Art School Gemara's, and I really don't need him chief editing me, you know, when I'm trying to, you know, give the shear. Anyways, he always outsmarted me and ended up coming to the shear. And uh, he, so I would give the shear, and he would always be fast asleep. And I'm like, I'm dragging this guy. He took three buses because he'd had to, I made it at a very inconvenient time. So he had to outsmart me by taking like other buses, like the bus from Yishalayim to somewhere else that would have a bus at that time in order to make it. It was unbelievable. And he was fast asleep. I'm like, what is the point of this? And then every time after the shear, he would say, I want to talk to you for a minute. And he would give like 17 detailed Lundish Ha'aras on what I gave. So I guess he wasn't sleeping. So it reminds me, I couldn't help but think of this. Um, you know, with Rav Yirmiyah, who seemed like he was asleep, and then he hears them discussing this otherwise, right, uh, esoteric topic that would put most people to sleep, but he has a lumdish, right, analysis from Rav Yochanan, uh, wakes up and, and he has the tarots for these two uh, gedolim. So, we miss you, uh, Okay. So now the Mishnah, on the bottom of Lama Rav, Hanoi Hayam, Back to the language of Nadarm. This is, this is a little bit of a fun one. Wait, I also promised I would do, uh, we would learn for a refor shlame of somebody. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to pull this up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Yaakov ben Sion ben Sarifka. Yaakov ben Sion ben Sarifka. Uh, Rev Weiss in Brooklyn, a dear friend and a wonderful person who needs refor. Me, have refor shlame. Yeah, and. Menachem Mendel ben Pesi as well. Yep. Okay, so the Mishnah. Andrew swears off sailors. He said, I have had it with these sailors. Okay. So you're not going to have any hanav from sailors. Well, that's sailors. But you're allowed to have hanav from land dwellers because you just swore off hanav from only sailors. How about miyoshvei habasha? I swear off all terrestrial dudes, all terrestrial people. Well, that includes sailors. What do you mean? Yeah. In other words, all terrestrial beings, beings will include people. This is all right colloquialisms, right? Like what do people mean when they say what they say? So when you say I swear off sailors, so that's a very unique subset of human beings and the rest of the people you can have an off from. But when you swear off terrestrial beings, so whether they're sailors or firemen or pilots, they're all going to be in the category of who you, uh, who you included, and therefore those are all going to be also to you, right? Um, right. And then the Mishnah has uh, an unusual um, piece over here that modifies, and the Gemara is going to discuss which part of the Mishnah it's modifying. Then the, the Mishnah says, There's two types of people who travel on a boat. There's two types of people who travel on a boat. Some who take the ferry from Akariyafo, that's not really a sailor, Andrew. That's just a guy who's commuting by boat. And there are those who, Darko who they're sailors, right? Their way is to go out into the great beyond and, and bon voyage, okay? So, that, so what, why are we saying that the difference between ferry travelers, commuters, and sailors? The Gemara is going to explain. Says the Gemara. There was a machlokas between them, 
whether this last distinction between commuters by boat and sailors applies to the first part of the Mishnah or the second part of the Mishnah. He, right, that he who learns that it modifies the first part understands it like this. Right, we said that a person who swears off sailors, okay, is allowed to have Hanah from land dwellers. And so that implies that, yeah, that you're allowed to have Hanah from all the ter- other people, but you, in fact, can't have Hanah from sailors. That's true. But it doesn't mean, as we turn to Lamed and Beis, Yeah, but when we say that you swear off sailors, and so we say it's mutter to, right, to have enough from land dwellers. We don't mean that it's mutter to have enough from land dwellers and now you can no longer have enough from people who commute by boat. Because those peeps are not sailors. Those are just people who are commuting by boat. And that's what it means, right? When we say you swore off sailors, the, those who are us are going to be actual sailors, right? But those people who commute by boat, it's only sailors that you swore off. So you can still have enough from those people going from Hoboken into the city. And the person, right, he who learns that the modifications on the Sefer learns it like this. Right, that a person who makes a neder from terrestrial beings, it's going to be also, right, usher. Sailors are also going to be usher. And it says, And it says, <laughs> that even when, <laughs> that, that when you swear off terrestrial beings, not only are you going to be usher to people who never leave term, uh, uh, terra firma, right, uh, solid ground, you will also have sworn off people who commuted by right boat. And not only that, you also swore off el afilu, right, swore off the sailors, Mishadarka Lafarj. Why so? After all, you said terrestrial beings. Yeah, well, even a sailor docks sometimes, right? And therefore, he is a terrestrial being. There's no such thing as a human being that's considered, right, uh, a water animal, right? When you have in the animal kingdom, you have sea animals and you have land animals and you have amphibians. Well, we, even though we may swim and even though we may sail, we're always considered terrestrial. Technically, because we always do go back to the land. Okay, very good. And therefore, you sworn off everybody. Next missioner. I know the Okay, so now you say anybody who sees the light of day, I don't want to have benefit from them. Asr af basumim. The missioner teaches you even blind people are going to be are going to be usher to you. Wait a minute, but you say they have to see the light of day. They can't see. Yeah, but the Mishnah says, right? So we're now saying, what do people mean when they say things? So you say, anybody who sees the light of day, you don't really mean that they actually physically see it. You just mean, that the light of day sees them. In other words, when, you, when we say the words, see the light of day, we actually mean that you see the outside, that you're outside in, in the sun. That's what it means. So the Gemara says, my time, I mean, Right. In other words, what's the reason that we assume that it means people who the sun sees as opposed to people who can actually fi- visibly see the sun? Because you didn't say min haroin. You didn't say that you were no dehano from sighted people. You just simply said you, you threw in the sun, sees the light of day. So you meant not 
people with sight. You meant people who can see the light of day. You know who doesn't see the sight of day, Andrew? Fish and fetuses. That's who doesn't see the light of day. And therefore, if you, you can have an awe from fish and, and fetuses. So, yeah. You, you, you basically swore off everything except for herring, Andrew. Okay, here we go. Next, Mishnah. Okay, so we're learning terminology here, phrases today. Okay, I'm not going to have any ana from dark-headed people. So, Aser Bekarchun Vale Sevos. You say, oh, Baruch Hashem, I can have ana from bald people and, and um, people who don't have, right, or people who have white hair. Okay. Um, uh, and, and by the way, Andrew, neither of which you are, Baruch Hashem. You are, you have just a beautiful, thick, okay, I don't want to get into it, but you have really nice hair, Andrew. Okay. Okay, but your mother by Nashim and Ktanim, Nashim, okay, because you mean uh, full, beautiful, lock, exposed, luscious hair of, of, uh, of uh, lettuce, luscious hair. So Nashim you don't really see, as the Gemara will explain. And Ktanim, children, what's the deal with children? We'll see. Well, that's just how the terms applied, Andrew. We call. Adults, shchori, men <laughs> who are adult males are called shchori rosh. That's just the bottom line. Okay, so that's what you mean. Fine, that's what you mean. Adult male shchori rosh. So when you say shchori rosh, you mean an adult male, and you're not really making a reference to their hair or the coloring of their hair. You just mean an adult male. That's really the bottom line. So that's the gemara. My time. Let me look at me balay sear. Yeah, because shchori rosh means adult male. If you were really cared, I mean, you said shchori rosh, so it sounds like you're talking about their dark hair, but you're not. What you really mean is that they're an adult. If you really were talking about their hair, you know what you would have said? Balei seyar, people with hair. So now the Gemara analyzes this. My taima, what's the reason that shchori uh, rosh developed as a phrase that refers to adult males? Well, because men sometimes cover their hair and sometimes they don't. But women, you never really see their hair in the street. They're always covering the hair. And also, and children always have uncovered hair. So that's why when you say, so, okay, so, so for that reason, if you're referring to women, so there's just phrases. So with women, you say, uh, those with covered hair. If you're talking to children, you could say those bareheaded, gili rosh, right? And when you're talking about adult males, you're saying shchari rosh. Okay. Next Mishnah. Now, so you're learning terminology, basically, is what's happening. Mishnah now is going to talk about the, the difference between the phrase, the term yiludim and no ladim. Yiludim means those who have already been born. So, hanoider min hayiludim. You make another prohibiting hana from those who had already been born. Meaning, anybody who's been born. Anybody who's born. So, mutter benoladim. So, you're saying, what you're basically saying is, I'm, you know what, I've had it with this generation. I'm waiting for the next generation. You know, we're nervous about the next generation, right, Andrew? We're, we're seeing it... Uh, Go in a scary direction. But you're optimistic, Andrew. You think the next generation is really where it's going to be at. All of the sins of this generation are going to be 
are, are going to be wiped away when, once this next generation comes and um, they really know how to use the internet, right? So, um, and social media. So, so you say to yourself, you know what? They're going to be born in a better world. Maybe we weren't prepared for it and so we don't handle it properly. So what we're going to do is like this. I'm swearing off on I've had it with this generation. I'm waiting for the next generation. I'm going to have on from them. So I know they're mean hayiludim, right? You make a ned, uh, you know they're hanav from anybody who's already been born. Mutter benoladim. Anybody who's going to be born from that point forward, it's going to be fine. How about mean hanoladim? No, you're pessimistic. You're going to say, I, making another, I can't have any hanav from anybody who's born from this point forward. Also mean hayiludim. So there, it's going to include, Right? So again, if you are no hana, right, from anybody who's already been born, so then anybody who's new is going to not be grandfathered in, is going to be mutter to you. But the, the converse is not true. If you're going to make a nether hana from anybody who's going to be born in the future, then anybody who's already been born is also going to be usher to you. The Gemara will explain why. That is the Tanakama. Rameir matir afbi yiludim. Rameir is going to say that it works in both directions. That if you're no there from one, you're going to be mutter from the other. Right? And the Chachamim go back and explain the Tanakama to say that when the man intended to, right, uh, to answer him, right, he's not saying, he's not trying to be specific about whether he is no there from those who will be born or from those who have already been born, he's just being no there enough from, uh, from anybody who's born. Dark or leave alayed. All those who have, are born. Okay. So now the Gemara says, According to Rameir, right, he, In other words, again, Rameir holds, So according to Rameir, Right, he can have hana from those who are already born, and it's not necessary to mention, right, that he can have hana from those who are born in the future. So, from who? So, who is he going to be also from? What's going on? In other words, he's moder minha yiludim, according to Mayor. So, we're going to say muter benoladim. <laughs> so, shitas of Mayor. Is unusual because he says he's matir the yiludim from those who are already born. So if he's matir those who are already born, shouldn't it be true that everybody should be mutter. So what does it mean matir af yiludim? If he's matir those who are already born, then everybody should be mutter. So who is he asering? So it's kind of, it's confusing to see what Rameir's shita is. So the Gemara fills in. It's a chasur mechzer issue. We have to fill in the Mishnah's text to understand what Rameir meant. I already kind of said it the way. Uh, this Chasur Mechzer fills it in, but we'll, we'll read it inside. Chasur Mechzer of Achikitani. Another Mina Yildim, Mutabinanadim. The Tanakama says that a person who's no there, right, from those who have already been born, is going to, right, he can't have enough from them, Mutabinanadim. He can't have enough from those who, um, right, who are going to be born in the future. And Minanoladim, Asur Beyiludim, right, and if he, is going to be uh, saying that those who are no ladim, those who are already born, then he's also going to be usher from the yiludim. That's what we already explained. That's what the Mishnah says in the Tanakama. He's going to be usher for both. And Rabbi Meir Omer, Af, I know there, mean ha no ladim, mutter ba yiludim, 
right? Ki hechi the noded min ha yiludim mutter be no ladim. In other words, both terms are exclusive. That's all it means is that the converse is also true, right? In other words, when you read just in a, in a vacuum, Rameir Mater Afbi Yiludim, it's unclear uh, what he's saying, but the fact of the matter is that he is really, what he's really saying is that the converse is also true. In other words, as opposed to the Tanakama, right? When Tanakama says that Hanoda Min Hanoladim, I am making a nether from anybody who's, who's born, he means those who are going to be born and those who have already been born, anybody who is born, right? And again, the Tanakama would concede that if you say, I've had it with this generation, I'm not going to have any enough from this generation, but you can have enough from anybody who's born afterwards. And all Rameir is saying is that when you say Noladim, right, then you mean, right, those who are going to be born and everybody who is already born should be Mutter, right? Uh, and when you say Yiludim, you mean everybody who, right, as, who's, again, when you say Yiludim, you're referring to everybody who's already been born, and, and therefore those who are going to be born in the future are going to be Mutter. And when you say Noladim, then you mean everybody who's going to be uh, born, and everybody who already has been born is going to be Mutter. In other words, just like we said before, when we said the Tanakama, Says, says that both, that it doesn't go both ways, right? The Chachamim simply said, just to summarize, the Chachamim hold that when you say, and note that the only time, right, that you are going to have a subset of people who you're going to be mutter to is when you say in such a language that I'm no there enough from anybody, right, who has already been born. Because what it means is that you are optimistic about the unborn. And therefore, that there they are not you're not going to be moda enough from them but if you're already going to say that even everybody who's born from now is going to be usher to me so then everybody's going to be usher and Ramirez says not so if what you're saying is that everybody's going to be born in the future is going to be usher to me maybe what you're saying is that you're very pessimistic about the future of our world and you're moda enough from them but everybody who's now all the old school people those people are fine in other words, according to the mayor, the converse would be true. When you say Yoladim, Yiludim, you mean specifically Yiludim in the, to exclude Noladim. And when you say Noladim, you mean specifically Noladim to exclude Yiludim. That's all. So Amalai Papala Bai, the Mamer did Noladim the Misyaldin Mashma. Is that to say that Noladim means those who are going to be born in the future? That's what we said. Says the Gemara, Elame Ata, but look at the Torah. Look at the Psukim, man. Shnei Vanecha Noladim Chaberat Mitzrayim. Right? Yaakov is talking to, he's about to give the bracha to Ephraim and Menashe, Yosef's sons, and he says, here are your sons, Hanoladim l'chab Eretz Mitzrayim. Well, Noladim, they were already born, right? Then he, then he switched his hands, you remember? So they're in front of him. Noladim, how could Noladim mean in the future? When, when Yaakov used it in the context of two children, Ephraim and Menashe, specifically, they had already been born. So, so, Shouldn't we say here too that the, ter- that, the, that the term noladim should mean those who, right, who are already born? So the Gemara says, Ve'ela mai de mashma. Well, what's the alternative? Noladim, right, what, what would be the alternative? Ela me'ata dechtiv hinei ven nolad leves shmo. You know, we also said in different pasuk, right, this is the pasuk in Melachim Aleph, when we say that there was a son, that was Nolad to Beis David. And his name was Yoshio. So, Hachinami Dahava. So, there too, are you going to say that he was already born? 
Right? Yeshua's grandfather, grandfather was not even yet born. So we see that the word, right, nolad, can mean that he already was born, as it does in, right, in Sefer Bracious. Or it could mean that he will be born, as it does in Malachim Aleph. So we see that the term can be used sort of as for the future or for the present. So it's not necessarily, right, indicative of, of, of future or, or, or present tense. So the Gemara has to say, that really the word noladim can mean future. It can also mean past. And this is really the, the climax, right? The thrust of what we've been talking about in all these Mishnahis. When, right, you talk about nadarim, what we've really been trying to tease out and figure out throughout is what is the common language that people use? which is to say, what do they mean when they say these terms? So in our Mishnah, obviously, when they say no ladim, they mean those who will be born in the future. And that's what the Chachamim say. That this man, in, that, in this context of our Mishnah, intended to mean, right, that those who will be born in the future. Uh, or those who, who's na- who are, in fact, oh, sorry, so that's, that's the, Period. That is the question. And again, Noladim means that they're going to be born in the future. Period. Now, two dots, the second line up from the bottom of Lamed Mbeis. In the Mishnah said, Right? So we said that when, right, Rechachavim said that I am swearing off anybody who is born, I don't mean past tense, I don't mean present tense, I mean all people who are born. Everybody is going to be, right, usher to me. All human beings, similar to what we said before with terrestrial beings. But when you say everybody who's born, who are you trying to exclude, says the Gemara. La'afuke mai, who are you trying to exclude? La'afuke dagim ve'ofos. Right, to exclude fish and birds. What's, why fish and birds? Because they hatch from eggs. And that's not like childbirth the way we describe it. Do uh, fish hatch from egg? Well, birds we know hatch from eggs. What about fish? Yeah. If we, the, the development of fish also happens in eggs. Um, that's called oviparous, by the way, according to Melino Tzatzal. And therefore, they're not considered born because they're born in eggs. How do we know that fish are also born in eggs? Because that's how Andrew gets to have caviar at Shabbos Kiddush. Okay, so we'll resume Bezat Hashem tomorrow. Lamed Aleph, Amad Aleph on the top in the Mishnah. Do you have caviar on Thanksgiving, Andrew? Is that your delicacy of choice? Everybody have a good Thanksgiving. Don't pick up.